I want us to continue in some scripture today, uh, uh, talking from John's gospel, chapter 12, verse 7. Uh, and as, I, as we walk through this, uh, oh, wait a minute, I'm moving too fast. I got an announcement I got to make. All right. All right. It just feels like home now, right? Good, good. Show's over. It's just us now. All right, the family. Uh, this coming Friday is Good Friday. It's the Friday that we remember the crucifixion of our Lord Jesus. And so between, during the hour of 6 o'clock to 7 o'clock, I'm going to be outside and we're going to run our own drive through And that means you can drive into the main parking lot and circle around. There'll be music that will be playing. I'm going to be serving communion uh, to those uh, we'll just we'll just have some celebration and blessing during that time. But just come to the main parking lot and just drive through the parking lot. I, I I would prefer no because of all of what is going on. You can't be getting out of your cars and running around the parking lot and slapping everybody high fives. But you can drive through and you can receive communion and we can have a few moments together. Does that sound good to everybody? Can I get an amen from somebody on the podcast uh, or on the on the webcast? This is good. Yeah, I'm getting amens already. So. Uh, we just want to test this and see how it goes. But again, Good Friday drive-through communion and worship six to seven in the uh, Regency Drive main parking lot right here. I can't wait to see some of you. Anybody coming Friday six o'clock? Good. All right, let's get back into the Word. John's Gospel, chapter twelve. In the Scripture, we have been walking through the story. Uh, that leads up to the crucifixion and resurrection of the Lord Jesus. Now, as we've walked through it, we went to Lazarus and we saw Lazarus uh, raised from the dead. And what we learned that it wasn't so much for Lazarus. Lazarus was fine, but Mary and Martha needed some revelation of the power of the Lord Jesus and the others that were gathered around the tomb. Now, out of this, we learned last week about how Mary ended up at the feet of the Lord Jesus. And we talked about her history and how that uh, her spirit soared after this resurrection and she gave worship to the Lord Jesus. Now, in John chapter 12, the Bible says, The next day, the great crowd that had come for the, the feast heard that, that Jesus uh, was on his way to Jerusalem and they took... Uh, palm branches and uh, went out to meet him shouting Hosanna blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord blessed is the king of Israel Hosanna blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord uh, and it goes on blessed is the king of Israel so we see this on the next day if you if you look carefully uh, at this story, you will find that not only uh, was it uh, the crowd, but it was also a great deal of the crowd that came after witnessing the resurrection of Jesus. So uh, the resurrection of Lazarus by Jesus. So they were moved greatly by the resurrection of Lazarus. And so many had gathered. And so now they're coming for the Feast of Unleavened Bread into Jerusalem. The crowd uh, the the, the uh, uh, population of Jerusalem is like 40,000, but there are over 260,000 individuals that cram into the city of Jerusalem, uh, celebrating the Feast of Unleavened Bread and moving on to the Passover. So we are today uh, celebrating Freedom's 
Palm Sunday celebration, but we are also moving with them towards the Passover. But let's look at the scripture. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And let's shout it. Hosanna. Shout it. Hosanna. Come on. Make your mama nervous right now. Shout Hosanna. Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And the word means to save. Hosanna. To save. It was a statement that they were looking for a king who would save them, who would set them free. And they had an understanding of what they needed, but God had bigger plans. How many know God always has bigger plans? Do you know that? He always has bigger plans. He's always looking to do more than perhaps you would anticipate him doing. They were looking for a Messiah, but they just wanted their situation to change at that moment. Jesus was literally coming to rescue them. So we could say for ourselves, this is the perfect day to wave palm branches and shout Hosanna because we're needing some saving ourselves. We are shouting, Lord, save us. Come to our rescue, Lord Jesus. And we are in a state of quarantine. We are holding services separated from one another. We're fighting an invisible enemy and we can't see it. We don't know what to do. People don't seem to have the answers and we'd like to have some more positive information. We're doing what we have to do right now. We're doing this online gathering with this level of intensity because we want to stay spiritually close. But can I, can I tell you also in this moment, we're doing this because we are also anticipating that God is going to move. Anybody believe this? He's going to do something great in our nation. He's going to show himself powerful. So today, I'm talking from this topic, Jesus to the rescue. Jesus to the rescue. Anybody like superheroes? I know you do. I mean, like bad things are going on and suddenly, you know, Batman shows up or Superman shows up or your favorite Marvel character just suddenly, boom, shows up at that particular moment and rescues everyone. Uh, folks, there's no superhero like Jesus. Amen. There's nobody like Jesus who can rescue you. Have you ever needed rescue? Have you ever needed rescued or have you ever been rescued? Uh, I've seen people who have needed rescuing before. I remember years ago out of the oceanfront of Virginia Beach, my family and I were out there, the waves were a little high, and we were enjoying them with our boards and just having a good time. And I looked over and I saw uh, a kid uh, that was being caught up in a wave, and he was yelling and screaming and going underwater. And I didn't really think, you know, I'm a superhero, I'm going to rescue you. No, I just jumped in, got to him, grabbed a hold of him, and, and pulled him uh, to the shore. I don't remember a conversation. I don't remember him throwing his arms around me or anything. I... I mean, he was just coughing and he was okay, got him back to his mother and he was celebrating. But still, I mean, what a good moment that was. But there are people that are literally right now that are drowning. There are people that are struggling with anxiety. There are people that are struggling uh, emotionally, financially. They're struggling relationally right now. I want you to know that Jesus is a rescuer. And you might say, well, pastor, have you ever been rescued? And as a matter of fact, I... I think on several occasions, a, a water rescue moment was several years ago when some of us uh, went to West Virginia and got on the, uh, the whitewater raft trip of the upper and the lower gully. It was a crazy ride. And we all had, you know, the life vests on and we were, we felt kind of safe, but at the same time, 
uh, we knew it was dangerous, and we never knew it was so dangerous as that moment when our raft flipped over in a very deep hole, and I had my, my vest on, but still the, the surge was so deep that it sucked me underwater, even though I had my life vest on. And uh, I came up coughing, and eventually, you know, I'm leaning back, but still I'm in so much water in my face. I see the raft, and I'm trying to move towards the raft, and I see one of, my guy, one of the guys who was in the raft with me, seemed to be doing pretty well. His name was Bear. Uh, some of you know Bear Limke. I reached over and grabbed Bear's vest, and he looked over at me and smiled. Together, we kind of kicked and coughed our way back, to the, vet, back to, the, to the raft, and I was thinking, wow, I'm just so glad. I, I think I would have made it. But sometimes I need a little help. Anybody ever been there before that you, you know, you just felt like you were taking on a little bit too much? You need somebody to support you. I'm glad to be a part of the church. Anybody else? We're here to support one another, to pray for one another, to trust the Lord together. And here's something that I do know. The Bible is not a story of rescue. It is story after story after story of God showing up and rescuing individuals. How many want the Lord to save you? Anybody want it? Do you need the Lord to step in and help you right now? But we have to be careful what we're saying in a moment like this because God would like to do more than you anticipate. You know, are we saying, Lord, just take away the virus so we can get back to the way things were before? You know, I, I want the virus to go away. I want people to be well. But you know, we're, we're settled right now in a place where God can deal with some stuff that perhaps we haven't been quiet enough or still enough to deal with. Or are we saying, Lord, just take the virus away so I can get back into the crowd again? And, I, and I'm thinking, yeah, sometimes we like getting into the crowd, but sometimes we just hide in the crowd. When we're alone, we actually deal with our stuff. We deal with the things that are going on. Are we saying, Jesus, be Lord enough to remove the virus, but I don't need you to be so Lord that you would change my personal life. And I think that's what God really wants to do at this time. He would like to get into your personal life. He would like to change uh, some things that have been going on in your life, to change some of your thoughts, to heal you of some of your struggles, uh, to contend with some of your anxieties. We are really having a Hebrew type of season right now because some of you feel enslaved and you're crying out to God for deliverance and and really the the the, the Palm Sunday celebration moves to another celebration which we know as the Passover celebration and the Passover celebration was two things one it was the time when Israel the Hebrews were released from slavery from the Egyptians but also on that particular day of celebration, celebrating of the Passover, it was also the time, the Passover was the time when Jesus Christ was crucified. And so when Jesus was crucified, uh, they, the people had all gathered into the city just before Christ was arrested. He celebrated the Passover with his disciples. He then instituted the Supper of the Lord. We're kind of feeling some of that Passover right now as we're quarantined, as we're stuck, as we are concerned, and we are in desperate need of a deliverer. And so if you know the story of the Passover, you know that ancient, uh, the, the ancient Hebrews had been enslaved 
in Egypt. Uh, they had come there. The, the 12 tribes of Israel had come to that area. You remember that Joseph was a leader already uh, in, in Egypt. And eventually, a great number of, Israel, uh, of, of Hebrews uh, grew into that nation. And Pharaoh enslaved, the leader of Egypt enslaved the Hebrews. And they had great tasks that were upon them. You remember that Moses was their deliverer. That God raised up Moses. Uh, according to the law of Pharaoh, Moses should have been killed as he was born. But no, his mother hid him in the bulrushes. And Pharaoh's own daughter found the baby and took him. And Moses was raised in Egypt's palace as a son of Pharaoh. But one thing led to another and Moses had to run for his life. You remember the story of the burning bush and uh, God speaks to Moses. Says, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to tell Pharaoh that he needs to let my people go. And so Moses comes as a deliverer with a message of the Father, our, our God, that Pharaoh needed to. He was required. It was an ultimatum. You need to let God's people go. And so Moses comes back and Pharaoh is reluctant. And then there are 10 plagues of Egypt, perhaps you remember some of the plagues of, of frogs. Uh, the, the water turns into blood. Uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the locusts. Different plagues that took place. But ultimately, there was a final plague. And the final plague was the plague uh, of that we call the Passover. But it was in which death passed over Egypt. And only those who had taken a lamb into their house, called the Passover lamb, who had caught the blood of, the, of that lamb, had cooked the lamb, had eaten the lamb, had, had put their, their sandals on, their shoes on, their clothes on, and got ready to leave. And they took the blood of the lamb and put it over their doorpost. Uh, only those individuals were set free because death passed over and the firstborn of every household died except for those who had blood over their doorposts. Now, I know there's been a lot of teaching about this specifically in Scripture. The, it, it's recorded in Exodus chapter 12 and verse 3 where God says, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, on the 10th of this month, every man, say that, every man, Every man shall take for himself a lamb according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. So you might want to circle that and, and, and just grab this. A lamb for a household. So the people were all quarantined to their homes and everybody has to bring a lamb into the household. So this really, really speaks of where we are. This is a good time. They were to come, bring the Lord, bring the lamb into the household this is indicative of Jesus because John said when he saw Jesus, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. The scripture tells us that Jesus is our Passover lamb. So this is a good time to separate ourselves, a good time to renew our relationships, a good time to get your home in order while you're quarantined. It's interesting right now while unemployment is going up, divorce rates are going down. Isn't that amazing? Kids are spending more time than they ever have before with their family. So go ahead, bring Jesus 
into your house and let him do a great work. So verse 7 of Exodus chapter 12 says that they take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat. Then they shall eat the flesh of that uh, on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Now all of those things speak to the journey. They speak of the bitterness. They speak of the difficulties that they are going to, to take as they go through the wilderness. But specifically, the Israelites were to use this time to take a lamb, a spotless lamb without blemish, to take it into their house. So, you know, I just remind you again, when was the last time that Jesus was the center of your house? When was the last time you brought him in and said, Jesus, you just take care of everything? And, and then we realize that the blood is going to set them free from the curse of death. And so they ate with their shoes on. They ate with expectation of deliverance. So this is what I'm saying. Receive Jesus. Put the blood over your door, the blood of Christ, and anticipate deliverance. Anticipate. How many believe God's going to get us through this? Can I get an amen from somebody? God's going to lead us through this. So this is the message of hope. In verse 12, uh, the Lord says, For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, striking all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now I want you to look at this last verse. I've got this and one more thing I want to share with you today before I receive communion. And I, I want you to take... A note of this in Exodus 12. Here's the Passover rescue. Now, or, or verse number 13. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. Read this. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Now, now read that because I'm, I'm saying specifically that when you... That we have a dependence upon the blood of the Lord Jesus. Now we understand. How many know the blood of Christ is powerful? Anybody know that? The blood of Jesus is powerful. But there is much more uh, of the similarities that are going on here. Because he speaks of, as we see, as we all know, John 3.16. For God loved the world and he gave his son. And whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That particular understanding tells us that the blood of Jesus secures forgiveness and redemption for those of us who believe in Jesus once and for all. Now, there are those that are, you know, taking red paint and putting it over their door. And I guess that's fine. I personally, I've decided that I'm going to mail out a red ribbon to everybody. Anybody like that? Just a red ribbon. So I'm going to send, uh, if I have your address in our database, I'll send people red ribbons uh, if you don't get one, just get one yourself. I think we need to understand that no matter what we're standing against, no matter what comes against us, that there is nothing as powerful as the blood of Jesus Christ. And I count myself among the redeemed of the Lord, and I am expecting deliverance from the Lord Jesus. Listen, listen. Not just because of, uh, of the coronavirus. Not because of, of, of just looking back to Egypt. Listen, America. We have laid aside every idol in these last couple of weeks. Everything that we used to depend on. This is a time 
for us to pray and to pursue God in our marriages and in our homes and in our lives and allow the very presence of the Holy Spirit who comes to us through the redeeming power of Jesus' blood to enter our lives and restore us. So I celebrate that no matter what. Somebody say, I am free. No matter what happens, I am free. Through his blood, we break every curse. But we have a part to play. I've talked to you about the Passover, and you know what happened with the Passover is ultimately everybody's set free. Somebody praise God. Ultimately, we get to be set free. Praise Jesus. We get to be set free. But we have a part to play in the rescue. And on this Palm Sunday, I only want to speak about one more portion of that rescue. It's in Matthew chapter 21. Just this one more thing to mention, and then we're going to pray and receive communion. In Matthew 21, as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell them that the Lord needs them and he will send them right away. This took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And I love this. I love this moment. I, I love this guy with his donkey. I just, I'm trying to get this. Let me, let me just tell you, if you came to my house and my bicycle was parked out front and you grabbed my bicycle because my wife and I like to ride our bicycles. You grabbed my bicycle and took off. I might very well chase you down and take my bicycle back. Can I get an amen right now? So here's what's going on. I want you to see what's happening. There is a man in Jerusalem that is so in touch with father that he has already heard in his spirit that whatever the master needs, he can have it. Now, the scripture doesn't say that the man will not question. What, he, what the scripture does say, that if this man questions you, just say this, the Lord needs it. Well, you know, it might have been a difficult time. You know, he might have had a purpose for that donkey and that foal of his own when it came to his house. But somehow he knew that this was really for the Lord. He needed his donkey. God is going to fulfill the prophetic word that was spoken of the Lord Jesus thousands of years before. So the man just gives up his donkey. We don't see the man as a part of the crowd. We just see a man alone at his house. He's alone at his house. And on this particular day, praise God, on this particular day, the Lord needs something that he has. And he surrenders from his house what needs to be given. Now, I could preach on giving right there. I could just spend a moment there and say, you know, offerings are easy in church, aren't they? Because they can pass the basket and you can just pretend to drop something in. But you know, if your offering was as big as a mule, you might get noticed. This particular day, this guy's donkey belonged to the Lord. And I'm telling you that there are other things 
that are in your life? What about your life does the Lord want? What about the gifts in your life does the Lord want? What about your home does the Lord want? Might we just go ahead and put the blood over our door to say and say, Lord, this house belongs to you. Lord, my car belongs to you. Lord, my family. No, no. Lord, my life. Everything that I have belongs to you. And I'm putting my complete trust in you. How liberating is that? I'm not in charge of my own security. Jesus takes over my life. I want us to be so close to Jesus. They can just come and take our donkey. I don't know how you hear that right now. Can somebody say, Lord, my donkey belongs to you? Go ahead, say it out loud. It belongs to you. Just receive everything that I have. I'm at this moment on this day, and I want to just conclude by reminding you of a couple of things. Jesus has already come to our rescue. He's already spoken of moments such as this in our lives. I am personally reminded of times when the Lord Jesus has done some things in our lives. And I'm so grateful for it. As we have come into this setting, some of us have struggled thinking, Lord, why didn't you let us know? And at freedom, we kind of had this feeling that God was involved. We were reminded at the beginning of this. I remember the very first week that we moved into this, the Lord took us back to January. In January, I preached about 2020 being the year of strength. And on one particular Sunday, we passed out antibacterial wipes to everyone in the congregation. And we washed one another's hands. Little did we know that this year we would be washing hands more than ever before. Because the Lord is cleansing us. He's he's making us strong. Last summer, summer, I spoke heavily on being strong and courageous and to this day I still wear my strong and courageous bracelet many of you do as well I passed out so many if you need one I'd be glad to get one to you just let us know here at the church I also picked up my we are family remember a year before that we got freedom is family bracelets and I've noticed a lot of people wearing their freedom is family bracelets there's no time like Christmas that we are reminded when my family comes in from out of town, Felicia and Lauren and Malachi and all the kids are here and Preston and Lindsay and Amy we're all here together but not just them all of you are my family I love you, you listen, you are my family, at Christmas we all show up, we pack the place out from the top of the building to the bottom, there's standing room only it was no different but the theme of our Christmas setting was the great rescue of the Lord Jesus. And if you remember, I took you back to the Gospel of Luke where the angels announced the coming of the Lord Jesus, the birth of the Lord Jesus. Do you remember that? Where, do I have any military watching me right now? Any military? Any military out there? Just come on. Give me an hoorah or something. Come on. Just some military. You've been through it. You're soldiers. And I'm so proud of all the military that we have here at Freedom. But I had everybody stand Because the heavenly host during the Christmas season was indicative of not just two or three, but the massive army that the Lord has. We live in a highly populated culture. And I want you to know that when we call on the Lord Jesus, that he releases the heavenly host. And so as I had all the military stand up, I want you to understand 
that the angels of the Lord are not just uh, creatures in white fluffy robes and wings, but they are the mighty armies of the Lord our God. And so as we were thinking about that and remembering that the Lord Jesus wasn't born just so he could be a baby in a manger, but that he could triumph over death, that he could triumph over sickness, that he could triumph over all of your difficulty. Then on Christmas Eve when we gathered, Felicia came and sang Rescue, the Lauren Daigle song. Wow, what a powerful song. Do you remember the song? You are not hidden. There's never been a moment you were forgotten. You are not hopeless. Though you have been broken, your innocence stolen, I hear you whisper underneath your breath. I hear your SOS, your SOS. Sing it, sing it from your house, come on. I will send out an army to find you in the middle of the darkest night. It's true, I will rescue you. Praise you, Jesus. And I will never stop marching. I will never stop marching to meet you in the middle of the hearts. Fight is true. I will rescue you. You hear what I'm saying? You hear what, you hear what the lyrics are saying to us? This is a good time for rescue. The Word of God tells us that He is a rescuing God. He says, actually in 2 Chronicles, He says, if you've messed up, if you've blown it, He says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. And Lord, we're calling upon You. We're calling upon the blood of Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would heal families, that you would heal homes. I pray that you would pour yourself out upon us. I pray that you would touch our military. I pray that you would touch doctors. I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would touch nurses and all of the medical team. I pray, Lord, that you would touch those that are sick. I pray, Lord, that you would heal those who have already been touched by death. I pray, Lord, that those who have this virus, those that we know, Lord, that you would touch them, that you would restore them. Mary, I'm praying for you, Mary Porter. I'm praying that God would touch you, that you would have the virus leave your body. I'm praying for individuals, others, family members that are struggling. Be healed. Be set free. I'm asking for the angels of heaven to step on that curve and cause it to shrink down. I'm asking for all the people to call upon our Lord that people would be healed, that people would be set free, that the nation would rise up, that we would have revival, that there would be freedom like we've never seen. 
during this Passover time. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. And through the blood of Jesus, accomplish your work. Accomplish your work of setting us free and delivering us. We pray. Come to the rescue, Lord Jesus. Come to the rescue. We thank you. Come on, let's praise him for doing it. Praise him. We praise you, Lord Jesus. We praise you. Lord, there are those that are coming to you now. Those who are repenting of their sins, falling on their faces before you and declaring that you are the Lord, that you are their God. Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's what we do right now. Lord, forgive us of our sins. Come into our lives. Allow us to be your children, Father. We thank you for the work of Jesus. We thank you that we are not and will not be defeated. We thank you that there is no enemy so great that the King of Kings cannot defeat him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you. Come on. Give the Lord praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Light the blood. Come on. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We celebrate. We celebrate who you are. We thank you for your mighty power. Let's look. Let's do this together. Go ahead and find something in your house. Perhaps you already have. Find something in your home that resembles bread. Find something in your home that resembles the cup, the juice, the grape juice that Jesus shared. Hold it in your hands. Would you do that? Get something for your kids. Tell them to gather around. I know it might not be what I'm holding, but we sanctify it in the name of Jesus. We declare that this moment is a rescue moment. And we sanctify the bread and we sanctify the cup. We declare it. We declare it to be remembrance. We declare it to be the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus. Thank you, Father. Come into our homes now as we receive the Passover lamb, as we receive the bread, the sinless body of our Lord, as we receive the redemptive blood of our Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord. Take the bread. On the night that Christ was betrayed, he took bread, and when he broke it, He gave it to his disciples and said, here, take the bread. It's my body that was broken for you. It was later, the apostle Peter wrote, it's by his stripes, his wounds, that we are healed. We receive our healing in the name of Christ. Take, take the bread. Take the cup. Go ahead, share with one another. Take the cup, hold it. Jesus gave the cup and he said, this cup, my blood, the blood of the new covenant, my blood that is poured out for you. The blood of Jesus, the Passover lamb. We pour it over our houses. We pour it over our very lives. We receive the work of the Lord Jesus now as we receive this cup. Take Take the cup, sanctified for this cause. Receive it now. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, Lord Jesus. Ah, thank you, Lord. I thank you for the unity, for the spiritual closeness that we have in this room. 
I thank you, Lord Jesus, all around the city. People have palm branches and they're receiving your supper and declaring that you are the king. Lord, we're not afraid. We choose to be victorious. We choose to walk in your power. We know that you are our rescuer and you have never failed us. We give you thanksgiving. I speak healing, and deliverance, and freedom, salvation to my people. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. Can we sing that chorus one more time as we're ending the service? Come on. Sing, I will send out an army. Sing it when you can't come on. May the Lord bless you. Walk in the power. Walk in the grace of the Lord Jesus.